My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. Hello and welcome to Talking Radical Radio, where we bring you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people who are facing many different struggles talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I'll be speaking with Doug Hewitt-White, Murray Lumley, and Scott Albrecht. Conscientious objection to compulsory military service has been recognized in one form or another in territories now known as Canada since the late 1700s. Originally, access to this status was tightly associated with membership in one of a handful of Christian denominations, but during the Second World War, the rules evolved to accommodate individual conscience regardless of religious affiliation. Over the course of this history, there were multiple requirements about what the objectors had to do instead. In more recent iterations, they often had to engage in some sort of alternative service, while earlier versions often included a requirement to pay a fee or tax that would go towards the military. From as early as the War of 1812, some conscientious objectors to military service also challenged the requirement that they should be forced to participate in war by funding it. Canada has not had compulsory military service since the Second World War. However, in 1978, a group of peace activists that would later call themselves Conscience Canada began to have serious conversations about the fact that we are all, through the tax system, compelled to pay for war and militarism. This, they argued, is a violation of conscience. So they began to advocate for a legally recognized right to conscientiously object to military taxation. This work has proceeded in a few different ways. The enactment of the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms in 1982 gave them some hope of a legal solution, because the Charter includes a right to freedom of conscience. Conscience Canada spent a number of years guiding a test case through the courts, but the Supreme Court of Canada refused to hear it in 1990. As a result, there has thus far been no final legal opinion on whether the Charter right to freedom of conscience encompasses this. Another path that they have taken is political. The legislation they wished to pass would create a specific government account to which conscientious objectors could direct the percentage of their taxes that would otherwise go to the military, and money in that account could only be used by the government for peaceful purposes. While sympathetic MPs have introduced motions and private members' bills to this effect many times over the decades, most recently in 2013, they have, as is true of most private members' bills, never made it past first reading. The third path that the organization takes could be called the path of disobedience. The most accessible version of this involves using the group's online peace tax return to make a declaration of conscience that requests that one's taxes not be used for war and endorses the creation of a peace fund of the sort they've sought via legislation. Because most Canadians have sufficient money deducted by their employers, most of us don't actually owe taxes at the end of the year, so this is the only option available. However, for people who do end up owing money, Conscience Canada also offers a way for people to withhold the portion of their taxes that would go to the military. People can then deposit the withheld amount in a fund managed by Conscience Canada, which will hold onto it until such time as the government creates its own peace fund. While these actions are only symbolic, 
The CRA ignores the declarations and treats the withholding much like it would any other underpayment of taxes. They do represent ways to act on conscience in the face of an unsympathetic state. Today's guests recognize that it is at best a long shot that these three paths will lead on their own to the outcome that they want. However, they see Conscience Canada in the context of broader efforts to promote peace and to oppose Canada's complicity in war and militarism, and in that broader context they see not only the possibility of progress towards peace and justice, but a necessity. Doug Hewitt White is a retired civil servant and the current chair of the board of Conscience Canada. Murray Lumley is a retired teacher, and Scott Albrecht is a bookkeeper, and both are members of the organization's board. I speak with them about conscientious objection to military taxation, and about the work of Conscience Canada. I'm Doug Hewitt-White. I'm currently the president of the board for Conscience Canada. I've only been with Conscience Canada for three years. And for a couple of years before that, I was contributing to the Peace Tax Trust Fund, but wasn't active in the organization at all. But I saw the call go out for help, and wisely or not, I poked my head up. My name is Scott Albrecht. I'm in my 40s. I'm married with two kids, and I'm a bookkeeper in Kitchener, Ontario right now. I grew up and still I'm a member of a Mennonite church, and certainly growing up heard stories of conscientious objectors from the Second World War, men who refused to join the military at that time and were sent to alternative service or had wages guaranteed for the Red Cross if they did some other employment that was deemed necessary during the time. So that peace witness has this struck through me. In my 20s, I was a member of Christian peacemaker teams and so was active in going to conflict zones in different parts of the world in unarmed, nonviolent ways, trying to support peacemakers in different conflicts. And have generally, since then, if I've had a tax zoning, divided my 8% to the peace tax fund and recently joined the board about a year and a half ago to help continue the work. That's Murray Lumley here. I parallel Scott a little bit, except I'm not in my 40s, I'm in my late 70s. But I became a member of Christian Peacemaker Teams in 2000, and I'm still a reservist. I, too, am a member of a Mennonite Church, Danforth Mennonite Church in Toronto. I was also interested in Conscience Canada. It came about via the Mennonite Church when I was living in Hamilton. I think it was a social justice committee of the Mennonite Church in Eastern Canada. Set out information about Conscience Canada on a regular basis, and I think I was on a committee at the church in Hamilton, and I saw this information, and it did interest me, and I participated in withholding taxes sometime in the late 90s and 2000. I was able to do that because I retired from being a teacher in 1998, and I think had something to do with taking some money out of RRSPs. I had to pay some taxes. So I withheld and deposited in the Peace Tax Fund. I moved to Toronto in 2004, and I think it was around the year 2000 that Conscience Canada changed. The organization had been centered in Victoria or Vancouver, BC, and everybody kind of got burnt out with it. But some Easterners, they got together and revived it. And then in 2005, Conscience Canada organized a trip to Ottawa to speak to as many MPs and civil servants as they could book and had their AGM in Ottawa in 2005. And I went along on that, even though I wasn't a board member. And then in 2006, asked me if I would like to be on the board. And I've been on the board ever since and act as the secretary of the board. Conscientious objection to military service 
started back in North America before Canada was a country, back in the late 1700s, when Canada was trying to encourage people who wanted to leave the newly created United States to come north and be settlers here in what was Upper Canada. There was Quakers and Mennonites and other religious groups who were prime candidates for coming north. However, they had a strong conscientious objection to military service. The colonial government at that time, they allowed them to come to Canada to settle here and exempted them from service. Now, that started off as exemption from serving in the militia. But over time, what they did was, is the government said, okay, you're exempted from service, but you have to pay war bonds or a war tax of some sort. And these religious groups objected to that as well. They objected to participating in war and killing other human beings, and they objected to paying other people to serve and paying for the armaments so that they could do the killing for them. And eventually, they did get exemption and were allowed to contribute an equal amount into civil projects, whether it was road building or bridge construction. I'll maybe jump in a little bit of what I've heard from more the 20th century. It's similar themes in the sense that there was also war bonds that were offered and that Mennonites refused to purchase. Those were not compulsory, but they were certainly social expectation to be patriotic and purchase those war bonds and do things at school and stuff like that. My understanding is that in terms of conscious objection to military service, at least within the Mennonite community, there was kind of two streams in this sense. Some Mennonite leaders went, once conscription was enforced, to the politicians and advocated for the blanket exemption. So if people could prove that they were a member in good standing of a Mennonite church, then then that exempted them from service. However, there was other Mennonites that had to go in front of some sort of tribunal. I remember a older man in my current church in Kitchener who spoke of going in front of this, and of course the person interrogating him was of another Christian denomination and, you know, said, well, of course, it's God's will that you should be supporting the king and the country in this. And he stood up, but was granted a conscious objection. So some had to make their own statements in front of the tribunal in order to be granted conscious objector status. Others were granted per their membership in Mennonite Church. Let's jump to Conscience Canada. From what I understand from your website, the group started informally in the late 70s and was incorporated a little later. And do I have it right that one of your early major efforts was to try to get the courts to recognize a right to conscientious objection to military taxation? We were formed back in 1983, after the Constitution got repatriated and the Charter of Rights and Freedoms was created. And one of the things that Conscience Canada did was they wanted to use the guaranteed freedom of conscience that was in the Charter of Rights and apply that to conscientious objection to military taxation. The organization got formed. There was a test court case that never got as far as we were concerned, a successful resolution. The Supreme Court of Canada declined to hear it. So they never looked at that test court case in terms of conscientious objection to military taxation and the paying of taxes and how this is a contradiction or against the dictates of a person's conscience. They only looked at it in terms of 
they said there was no connection, no nexus was, I think, the word they used between the obligation of a citizen to pay taxes and the responsibility of a government to spend those taxes. So the courts never looked at it in terms of the rights of a person, of an individual, the rights of conscience, of freedom of conscience, and living by the dictates of their conscience. So that is something that Conscience Canada got involved in very early on. We're still trying to pursue. The other thing that Conscience Canada does is we operate a peace trust tax fund where taxpayers can each year, when they owe taxes to the government, they can look at how much of their taxes goes to the military. And instead of paying that portion of their taxes, they pay that portion into a trust fund that we operate where the money is held in trust until such time as there is a Department of Peace created in this country or until such time as there is a legal mechanism for redirecting taxes away from military purposes and to peaceful purposes. And how exactly does that process work? The process is not that complicated. We have on our website the peace tax return form. And basically, a person can go online and fill that out online and actually submit it electronically with their tax return to the CRA. Also part of that form is that you can write a letter explaining your position and your objection to military taxation. You can write that in your own words. We have a sample letter, but you can massage that or write a letter entirely of your own. And that letter gets electronically sent to the Minister of Revenue, the Minister of Finance, the Prime Minister, all party leaders. And there's also a lookup so that you can send it off to your member of parliament as well. The form itself, the first part of it is a declaration of conscience where you declare that you're a conscientious objector to military taxation. And this is an issue of conscience for you. The form can be used for just that declaration and nothing else. In other words, you can fill out the declaration, you can write the letter, and it can be filed with your taxes. No money is withheld. You pay your full taxes. It's necessary to have that because an awful lot of taxpayers, the vast majority of taxpayers, when tax time comes at the end of the year, they don't owe the government any money. For an awful lot of them, the government owes them a refund. So they have no ability to withhold taxes. The taxes are taken off at source. So for an awful lot of people, withholding taxes is just not possible in practical terms. But they can fill out the Declaration of Conscience, write their letter, and that can go to all of those people I've mentioned. However, for those people who are in a position where they do owe the government money, and that may be due to the fact that they're self-employed or they're retired and they have pensions and investments, et cetera, and income that way, at the end of the year, when they owe money to the government, part of the peace tax return is for that particular taxation year, we identify, based on the government public accounts, how much of income tax revenue goes to support the military. This last year, I think it was 9.6%. Some years it's 8% or so. That's identified in the return. And if they owe money, they can say, okay, of the taxes I pay you in a given year, 9% of that is so many dollars. I'm not paying those dollars to you. I'm going to put those dollars into Conscience Canada's peace tax trust fund. And you openly declare that. You don't try to hide any of your income. This is an act of refusal, an act of resistance. So it's not a question of evading taxes. 
we all want to pay taxes. We just don't want to pay for the military. So a person can say, okay, the military portion of my taxes is so many dollars, those dollars are going into this peace trust fund. The money is held there in trust for the future, for someday down the road when there will be legislation that will legally allow people to, instead of pay military taxes, pay peace taxes. Until that day comes, this money is being held in trust. I'll maybe just add quickly, as someone who's prepared taxes for people, it's obviously not something that's going to be part of your tax software package. This is a separate thing. It's not a legal thing, as Doug mentioned. This is an act of resistance or an act of civil disobedience. So there's no legal provision for this. This is something that you are doing as an act of conscience and as an act of resistance to the military. Conscience Canada also has prepared legislation in conjunction with a member that they can find that would bring it forward. Over the years, we've had people like Bill 6A sponsor it, but it's never gotten past first reading. But that would also be part of Conscience Canada's plan is not only just to withhold money in trust until such a time as there is legislation, but Conscience Canada has actively tried to get private members' bill legislation into the House of Commons, and it has done it several times as far as first reading. Yeah, in fact, since I think 1983, there's been 12 either bills or motions put forward in the House of Commons in favor of conscientious objection to military taxation. The last one was Bill 363 in uh, 2013, introduced as a private member's bill. Now, as most people are aware, private member's bill very, very rarely are successful. They get first reading, they're introduced, they get a bit of support from other members in the House, but if the government is opposed, and of course the government is very opposed to any idea of people not paying for the military, then such private bills simply don't have any success. But yes, this is our strategic plan of the two thrusts. One avenue is getting this to the courts and getting a successful ruling there, and the other avenue is to get legislation introduced in Parliament and supported by Parliament. They are, I guess we'd have to admit, long shots, but that is what we're working on. And what is the substance of the legislation that you've tried to get passed? The bill is quite succinct. It lays out that a conscientious objector may request an amount equal to the military portion of income tax paid by a taxpayer that it be credited to a conscientious objector account. Monies in that account could only be spent for peaceful purposes, and the account would be audited yearly by the parliamentary budget officer. So the bill simply sets up the creation of the conscientious objector account. The provision in the act would be that a taxpayer could identify that they want the portion of their taxes that normally would go to the military would go into this CO account. And monies in that account can only be spent on peaceful projects. It's a fairly short bill. It's only about three or four pages long. So what does the Canadian state do when people withhold the military percentage of their taxes for reasons of conscience? Basically, it seems to be that so long as the dollar amounts are fairly low, nothing much happens other than you get of course, your letter saying that you still owe so much money and that interest will be charged at such and such a rate. 
and you get reminders every, I don't know, six months or so that you still owe this amount of money. However, when the amount owed gets large enough, and just what that is, I think is, you know, pretty arbitrary, but probably around $2,000, then CRA will take action. They will contact the taxpayer, tell them that they're in arrears, what are they going to do about it, etc. And if the taxpayer says, well, I'm not going to pay it because I believe I have the right to conscientiously object to this and explain their case, then the CRA has various options that they may take. We have one of our members in Manitoba right now who is having the money clawed back out of their Canada Pension Plan payments. They can garnish you wages. If they have a way of seizing assets, you know, or taking money of your bank account, those are all things that are in the Income Tax Act that the CRA can do. From what we've heard from most of our people who have had interchange with CRA, they're very polite about it. They're very professional about it. They're not heavy-handed unless they feel that they absolutely are forced to be. They try to persuade, but in the end, yes, they will garnish your wages or take money out of your pension or take money out of your bank account. They have that power, and eventually they will do that if the amounts are large enough. As a tax preparer, I had a very particular consequence at one point. Technically, as an e-filer of other people's taxes, I'm supposed to not have a balance owing. And so at one point when I was re-registering for the next tax year, I got a call from somebody and saying, hey, we can't re-register you because you have a tax owing. I ended up explaining, not very well, but (laughs) explaining that I was a conscious objector and that person kind of put me on hold for a minute and came back and said, oh, okay, well, we'll let you go again. So in that particular case, the consequence wasn't permanent. But the basic idea is the CRA just considers it tax owing and will completely ignore any moral, political reason that you give and say that's up to the parliament and you owe us taxes. So pay up, please. I had the experience of having my teacher's pension garnished somewhere between the year 2000 and 2004. I can't remember the exact year. I got a very nice phone call. Maybe it was from the director or someone saying what they would be doing. They explained it to me that they would be taking the money from my teacher's pension over a period of three months to clear up the arrears, and that's what they did. I haven't had it happen since. Sometimes when I've had arrears the following year, sometimes I get a refund and they just take that. Lately, what I've been doing is if I had a chance to withhold, like this year, there was a few hundred dollars. I haven't left the money there. I actually asked for it back and paid it off just recently. There's a certain amount of interest added to it. And I just feel like, well, I don't know if I want to pay them more money. But if I have a chance to at tax time, then I go ahead and withhold some. But it hasn't added up to a huge amount. So they haven't bothered me very much. So would you say that your membership and active participants in withholding war taxes are primarily drawn from the historic peace churches? I think historically, a large part of our membership has come from the various churches. But I myself am a secularist. So I've arrived here because I've, for many years, strongly believed in the cause of peace and felt that the military, despite the PR campaign about peacekeeping and Canada's role in peacekeeping, I could have some not very polite words to say about that. And I really feel that we need to be investing sincerely and truly in peacework and not in war, which is what our military is doing. So I'm sure a large part of our membership comes from the Quakers and the Mennonite Church and other churches. 
but there are some of us who are very much involved in this for non-religious reasons. I would add to that that the people that I have, you know, had emails from or or we've contacted over the years, supporters of Conscience Canada, I think are not necessarily church members at all. They're simply the few people in the country who are so horrified at paying taxes for war preparations. It just cuts across the board. But our numbers just aren't that big. Where do each of you draw hope from, either in terms of the work on conscientious objection to military taxation specifically, or in terms of the broader peace agenda that you believe in? To be honest, the work for conscious objection to military taxation feels like a really long shot. So I don't have a strong hope about that, in part just because it's so contrary to how any government would work in terms of controlling its money that it feels unlikely that it's going to happen soon. I guess more generally in the longer term, the broader hope of peace work, I think there's a lot of activity. And then I think some of the recent military activities that Canada and others have taken part in have a bit unmasked this idea that the Canadian military is somehow a peacemaking organization. Canada's involvement in Afghanistan, for instance, I think most people have realized that however it was justified, it was not by any means defense of Canada and hasn't actually functioned as defense of vulnerable people in Afghanistan. So there's, I think, a bit more clarity, especially in younger generations, of the imperialism around military activities that we're engaged in. And then as a Christian, I persist, I guess, with or without hope. This is my calling. Christian Peacemaker Team's founding director, Gene Stolzfus, who's passed away, said his hope is by the end of the century that war will be unacceptable. Doesn't necessarily mean it won't happen, but somewhat like slavery, we still see different examples of slavery, but it is generally considered unacceptable. So maybe. Maybe in 80 years from now, it will be generally unacceptable for wars to happen, except in the most dire circumstances. I think your question is probably one of the most difficult ones, and one that I get asked in various different ways many times. And what I come back to is that I'm not an idealist. I'm a realist. I firmly believe in a reality where we have no choice but to demilitarize. If humankind is survive, this is the only way we can do it. Sometimes recently, it's been hard to identify where the progress has been. But if you look hard, it's there. It's there in the passion of young people. It's there in uh, peace campaigns that take many, many forms all around the world. Young people standing up and resisting and refusing to cooperate anymore. The reality is the cause of peace will win because it must win. You have been listening to my interview with Doug Hewitt-White, Murray Lumley, and Scott Albrecht of Conscience Canada. To learn more about the organization and to find out how you can become a conscientious objector to military taxation, go to consciencecanada.ca. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link for the radio show.
On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, SoundCloud, and other platforms. I'm Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Hamilton, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists published by Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week. Thank you.